Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Uh, Kane and Shane this week, no Nelly. He is off what I believe the young kids say, gallivanting. Mm. Um, he is out gallivanting, um, probably on a coast, potentially an Amalfi coast. Perchance, as if to dream. Yeah. Um, throwing out some big words for me today. Um, even threw in some a little bit of uh, Will I Am Shakespeare in there. Um, firing on very little sleep. Um, but <laughs> uh, it's just me, me and Shane this week. We're going to have a good time. Um, Nelly, I want to say he's in Greece, but or he's bathing in Greece. I, I didn't really understand his message. <laughs> Eating uh, bacon so, grease, I don't know. It's some, some kind of grease in there. So any of those things could be happening. That, that's what I know at this point. But uh, Shane and I are still going to do uh, the show because we're here. Um, we're the dependable ones. So um, <laughs> Shane, let's just get into it. Yep. Uh, we got to start out team up. Who's your team up this week? And you kind of, you kind of shattered this last week, but I'm going to go with Kentucky, the Kentucky Wildcats yep. dominating the Florida Gators. Well, I don't, I don't think Florida's a great team, but still, I didn't expect this. But your boy Ray Davis, who you brought up last week, uh, I believe, 280 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. He also caught a touchdown in the game. They were just running like fiends. The the defensive line for Kentucky was impressive. I thought, uh, you know, Levis is gone. And Devin Leary is definitely not as good as Will Levis, but they have a much better scheme and system. I think Kentucky's one of the better SEC teams this year. Um, I'm going to go team up on, like, mainly because I want to build up to this game a little bit. But also, like, Oklahoma is a better team than you think they are. And, like, I know that they don't have, like, as flashy a play- players. Um, they don't have the the young stud wide receiver or excuse me young stud uh, quarterback they don't have like a a single stud wide receiver that's potentially like the best wide receiver in the country right like they don't have that um they don't even really have like a running back that would start on some other sec teams right like but they play so well together like the scheme is good with Oklahoma and I think they deserve a shout out um, because yeah, they've hit like a couple um, slower games, right? The SMU, the Cincinnati, and then they come back and just utterly destroy Iowa state. And like, I'm not saying that Iowa state's a great team. I'm not. They're a terrible team in a terrible town uh, with terrible fans in a terrible stadium. Like all of those things are true, 
but they still destroyed a Big 12 team 50 to 20. One that is known for um, having difficulty throwing against. Like, you can say whatever you want about Iowa State, but like their core defense um, is, is typically more difficult to throw against because of the way they play their defense. Um, and they uh, did that. Dylan Gabriel throws for 366 yards uh, without a problem. So um, I think they're my team up this week. I think it's a good one. I think it's a good one. So I, they, they're probably better than I think they are. I, I, Oklahoma, I always think are worse than they are. So I, I'm yeah. talking to me. Because they disappoint so often, right? That, like so that's much. part of it. Like they so often just crap the bed and we're left with like, Oh, what happened? Uh, but like they're a solid team. So Shane, give me your um, stock down here. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Utah. Um, Utah's just a weird team this year. You know, that they, they beat, like UCLA 14 to seven, they beat Florida in the opening game. I think people are like, okay, it's tough defense. Uh, the offense maybe will come alive when Cam Rising comes back and he was supposed to come back and hasn't done that. Quinn Jackson got hurt. Um, but that, yeah, but they can only muster seven points against Oregon State. I think Oregon State was a, a team up uh, thought for me as well. Like, you can be a physical team. Utah's always that uh, another team that has scrappy players that aren't like these great athletes, but they work together well. But like, I don't know, you still, you just can't beat the actual like talented athletic teams, which Oregon state is this year, surprisingly. So I, I just don't think Utah's as good as their top 10 billing before this game was. Um, I'm going to give you like, there's two teams I want to talk about that I think deserve slight downs, like a half team down. Can I, I'm going to split it for you here. Shane. Split it, split it, split it for me. Um, so first one, um, I want to talk about USC just a little bit. And I only want to talk about half of their team, right? I only want to talk about their defense. It's clear that their offense is very, very good, right? But their defense, like, I don't, this feels like a typical Lincoln Riley team where we don't know if their defense is going to be able to consistently hold for them to get to a college football playoff, right? Like it feels that way. And if Caleb Williams would have made more mistakes, there's a chance they lose that game. Right. Um, so that's a slight team down. The other team I want to talk about um, and we got to talk about the number one team in the country for like a little bit. Well, the proposed number one team in the country. We'll see what happens. Um, I don't, I think these rankings are a bit goofy, but um, Georgia, I don't think they played a great game from soup to nuts. Right. I think, I think they struggled. They struggle offensively like, but then they'll have, drives where they'll go 10 10 plays 98 yards right like they did in the second uh the second half when they were losing to auburn right and then go seven play 71 for a field goal seven play 76 for a touchdown and that's what ends up winning them the game but then like you get so, like 
six plays, 28 yards punt, three plays, eight yards punt. Like Auburn's not a great team, but I don't know if they necessarily have an offensive identity that they can hang their hat on. And I, I talked last week that one of my, my players to watch was Dejan Edwards. And like, he was fine, but he was only fine, right? Like he was not like, if you plug him in to some of these teams over the past few years, right. That, that were having, you know, guys that were averaging six, seven, eight yards a carry. Like, does he still do that with a little bit better offensive line? Or does he kind of falter that a little bit? Like, do they truly have a weapon on the outside, outside of Brock Bowers? Like, and Carson Beck's not like a big gift to quarterbacks, right? Like, I, I, I struggle to see, like, other than their schedule being pretty nerfed, I struggle to see how Georgia wins the national championship with their with the way that they're currently playing. I agree. It's funny because it feels like the S. I mean, I hate to say it. It feels like the SEC is pretty down. Like I look at SEC schedules this year, I'm not really impressed. You know. So, like, like you said, I mean, they could maybe even win all their games, but I, this is not this is not the offense that uh, can I think even maybe win one playoff game. Brock Bowers, just like he did in this game, Brock Bowers had to go off. I mean, dub two one handed catches, and he had to do everything to even for them to win. It was wild. I, I'm with you; they're on my list. Through five games, your tight end has 413 receiving yards, 30 receptions, right? Um, so, And that's with games that you've completely blown out. You're really tough out-of-conference opponents, Georgia. Your UT Martins and your Ball States. Um, yeah. Great scheduling there, Kirby. Um, <laughs> but I, I, think, I think this Georgia team is the weakest Georgia team we've seen over the past few years, right? They don't have the same talent on defense. They've lost a ton of talent, right? And obviously it's difficult putting that many people into the NFL year over year for the past few years, right? It's difficult to also continue to have that same talent um, that they had. And their offense just has, their offense is just fine. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't see how they are the number one team in the country. I don't see it. You're you're getting the benefit of winning two national championships, which most of the players on this team did not play a ton in those two years. So, I think it's truly wild that in the coaches' poll, Georgia received 59 first place votes. That's bonkers to me. Yeah, I feel like they just don't know who to put like who to put there. I don't think there's any team right now that you're like, oh yeah, this is the best team in college football, hands down. You know, no one feels that great to me. 
yeah, I, I struggle here. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think, and uh, knowing because I said it, Georgia will win all their games and all of a sudden <laughs> find an offensive identity. And... Yeah. Right. That's, and that, maybe that's the plan, right? Just kind of build up to it can happen. I think, I think there's a lot of teams, Georgia, Ohio State, Florida State, Texas, USC even, that are like, okay, we're just building toward the playoff. That's when we want to be yep. our best. So we'll see. Yep. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, let's go to uh, – let's do a victory lap. Who are you victory lapping this week? Yeah, I figured out someone I, I think I dropped uh, on the podcast name-wise a couple weeks ago and just continues to have – Really good games, and no one seems to really notice Debbie-wise, but it's Ashton Genty, the uh, running back for Boise State, who I think is a legitimate Debbie prospect at this point. Um, you know, two weeks ago against San Diego State, he ran for over 200 yards, had two touchdowns. This week, at Boise State lost to Memphis. He had two rushing touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns, uh, 210 pounds, Good straight line speed, probably in the in the four fours, with decent size, can catch the ball. Like I don't know, Boise State's a big enough name that I think, even though they're not Power Five, that uh, you're you feel good about him as a prospect. So I'm gonna victory lap him because he continues to play well, and I think he needs more respect. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm trying to. You know what? I think one victory lap that I want to take is um, I know it's it's kind of some hanging easy hanging fruit or what do they call low hanging fruit, but it's Brock Bowers. Like we we did talk about him being obviously the best player on that offense, but like we've been hyping him up for a bit, like even before his first good game. Um. Like he was always a special talent, and uh, I think it's it's kind of attrition at this point where some people want to kind of rank him lower. It's getting to the point where like, well, other people are playing better in their wide receivers, so we're just going to move the tight end down, mm-hmm. right? Um, Brock Bauer is still an incredible player. Um, I think he needs as much respect as you can possibly put on his name because um, he's very very good. Yeah, like I tweeted last September, Brock Bowers is going to be who we wanted Kyle Pitts to be. I stand by it that he'll be that player in the NFL. And people that overdrafted some tier two receiver over him will be sad. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, let's let's do our uh, two players to monitor here. Um, who, who's one player that you're kind of uh, looking at? I think Nelly made mention last week, uh, but I got to bring him back up. It's Jonathan Brooks, the running back for Texas. Uh, did it again and to a, a even more extent as, you know, Kane, you kind of talked about in our second pod, like everyone in Texas did well against Kansas. It wasn't uh, much of a game, but Jonathan Brooks, 20 carries, 217 yards, two touchdowns, uh, had a big catch in the game as well. Our boy Zach, the resident Texas fan in the Discord, the Secret Shopper program, uh, has been 
pushing him uh, a bit from before the season. And watching that game, like he has patience, good vision. It's kind of the perfect blend, plus the athleticism, third-year player. He's moved up into my top 10 running backs for the 2024 class. So you should keep an eye on him. You know, it could fall off. C.J. Baxter comes back and what's carries and maybe Jonathan Brooks is and all that. But um, definitely monitor him for for that. Him, him and, yeah, he, he's, he's risen on my board. Um, so – I'm my first person to watch is a chance for me to be wrong. Uh, this is a player that I don't like much um, because I thought he was getting way too much hype last year um, and had a solid enough season. But let's talk about Kansas Jayhawks running back Devin Neal. Right. Um, so, so they're now going to face UCF. Like this is their chance to like if Devin Neal really is a special, special talent, um, he needs to go absolutely off. Right? Like, Devin Neal needs to absolutely destroy this week um, facing UCF. Like, he's been fine, but I don't necessarily see, like, I don't see a day two running back watching him. I think he's just fine. Um. So I, I don't know if you feel differently, Shane, but um, this is the game for me that I'll happily get on him being good if, you know, he can actually have a great game. But most of his games are just like, oh, he was fine. You know, it's like, oh, he cashed in some touchdowns from like three yards out. Sweet. Right? Like, I, I, don't, I don't see anything that's early special i know he can he's caught some pass caught 13 passes over five games um but with texas down that much he wasn't even being thrown to that like texas beating kansas that much he's not even thrown to that often like i i i miss seeing a uh a player that actually matters a ton to this kansas offense I've definitely been lower on him too. The Illinois game sold me a bit because um, he was used in both facets, but I thought Illinois' defense was decent at that point. Now I don't. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Definitely got to watch. Uh, who's your Who's your other guy that you're watching? Uh, you know, I'm going to go to uh, South Florida here in, in USF. Um, I'm I'm watching the quarterback a little bit. Uh, I have some interest in Byron Brown, the uh, the QB there who kind of broke out a little bit last year. He got some playing time, but has has been impressive to me. Six three, two ten, extremely athletic. You know, a, a good rusher. He got sacked a bunch in this game against Navy, um, but you know he he's been impressive to me when I've watched him throw the football. Um, you know. Playing against like Alabama is difficult for anyone at a lower school. He doesn't have a ton of talent around him, but picked up a lot of yards on the ground, is a tough runner. He just has kind of that, that trait set that is intriguing to me. I think intriguing to the NFL, probably nothing, probably never makes it to the next level, but a name I'm just etching to watch and keep an eye on uh, through conference play here. Byron Brown. Uh- you know, I, I got one for you. I don't, it's kind of in that similar vein. Like, I don't know if this means that the NFL likes him, but he's been playing well. Uh, 
you know, two weeks ago had to face Michigan. He got destroyed. Um, I'm probably going to butcher his last name. But it's the Rutgers running back. It's Kyler, Kyle uh, Monongai. Like, or Monongi. I don't know how you say his last name. But um, he's been good for Rutgers. Like, he, he's been kind of what they needed. Um, he's had multiple games just absolutely destroying it. Obviously against lower opponents, um, but I feel bad. The entire offense could not get anything going against Michigan, so it's like not just his fault. Um, the offensive line got pushed in hard, um, and he also doesn't really catch the ball much. So, um, kind of curious to see what he he does against Wisconsin. But he's a pretty smooth runner. Um, I've seen kind of some nice plays from him, so curious to see how he kind of moves forward. He's he's interesting. He's a tough, tough in between the tackles guy too. Like I've been impressed. So that's a good name to put on the back back burner radar. He reminds me a lot of. He's similar in the same vein of like Blake Corum, right? He's he's short, uh, but stocky. Like he's got good size. Um, you know, he's got a good weight. He's a two hundred ten pounds. He's five nine. Like, and he runs smooth. Right, he's had some very nice jukes. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know uh, what this means for him, but he's been fun to watch. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, Shane, you, I know you gotta. Do you have thoughts before you teach me something? Um, because I don't think you liked the uh, the blaspheme that I put in the uh, one of the discords. <laughs> I, I I did not. So look, it was it was nice. You gave me my history minute for uh, for this week because with your, you know, Kane's a nice nice conspiracy theory guy. So we got to debunk debunk some of those uh, on the show. Okay, can I can I can I at least preface this a tad? Sure, like sure. I'm not a big like I like reading conspiracy theories. I don't believe most of them, right? Yeah. So I just want to like preface that I think. They're super interesting to read, and like which they are, hundred percent. Hear people you. thought, oh, like have you seen the Jeff Jeffries bit where he has a bunch of people that have like five, believe in five different conspiracy theories, and like they're all arguing about that. the other conspiracy theories being bullcrap. But like this guy's like, oh, flat Earth isn't real, and he goes, oh, what do you believe? I was, he's like, the aliens are coming, and it's. <laughs> You'll have to watch some of those. Like, I'll I'll share one with you. It kills me. But I got down a rabbit hole. I love conspiracy rabbit holes. Um, the the one I got down most recently is: Is Helen Keller real? You know, I fair question. Okay, <laughs> fair question. Sure. Well, look, let me let you, me teach you a history minute, and then we can get yeah, into it. Yeah, you can it, take over from here. But so, just yeah, know, let's, fair let's... question, wondering if she's real. <laughs> okay. okay. So let's talk about Helen Keller for the history minute. Born in 1880. Yeah. Um, most historians think that she probably had meningitis as a baby and thus became deaf and blind through that was, um, you know, 
not a common way, but was a way that that happened, especially in the late 19th century. Uh, so she wasn't born deaf and blind. It happened very early as a newborn. Um, and most famous, Anne Sullivan, who uh, is kind of the, the infamous teacher, um, you know, who stayed with Helen Keller through most of her life, uh, came actually at the recommendation of Alexander Graham Bell, which is kind of interesting, to the Keller family uh, from the Perkins School for the Blind. And Anne Sullivan ended up kind of breaking through the Perkins School for the Blind was developing this way to communicate with people that were uh, blind as well as blind and deaf of like signing on one hand and while feeling what the thing is on the other, right? So that's kind of the famous Helen Keller, like she was feeling water on one hand and getting the sign that Anne Sullivan was communicating water. And then they started to kind of pick up from there. Um, and Helen Keller was a pretty amazing person because she pushed to kind of overcome her disability. Um, she used the Tadoma method to understand other people where she would feel their lips and their throat and kind of, you know, and, and through a lot of practice for like decades, figure out what people were saying and understand language. She ended up learning to speak, proficient in Braille, finger spelling, um, very heavy advocate for people with disabilities, people of color. She was, she was a, a socialist. You know, she was a, a suffragist, anti-war birth control supporter, had 12 published books, including her autobiography, uh, The Miracle Worker. And we, we have extensive video of Helen Keller. Like we can see Helen Keller, um, you know, written documentation from her birth onward and as well as photographic evidence. We have medical do documents of her diagnoses in everyday life. So she was real. Like, I don't think, I don't think, is that the real question of it? If she is real or is the question for some of these conspiracy theories, was she actually deaf and blind? I feel like that's where usually with I, it has to be these disabilities. It, it has to be the second, right? It has to be the latter, right? And and I think it's to the point of which I think the more of the question is like, is she the one that actually wrote these books, right? I think that's where yes. some <laughs> yes, some yes. Um, some question comes in. You know what I mean? Why? Well, I, like. It's just such a, it's such a, like, just slap in the face to just, you know, I mean, honestly, people with, like, disabilities that, like, oh, she couldn't have written a book because she was deaf and blind. Like, yes, she can write a book. It's not, you know, she lived a, a long life of learning, you know, how to communicate in the written word, um, writing, speaking, signing, Braille, like, a lot of people that are deaf and blind write books and write things. Like I don't know, it's just that's just not a. I, I actually, honestly, I from what I read because I researched because you mentioned it in the Discord, someone started this on TikTok as a joke, basically to like see if they could get people gullible enough to believe this conspiracy theory. And I, because this makes me sound like an awful person currently. <laughs> No, no, I, no, no, I no. believe this, right? Like, right, like it's interesting. But it's interesting. I, yeah, I, I just think the thought process behind like believing these, like, wackadoo, like, things, right? And like, we we have so many documentaries and so many like of of people just believing in truly truly um 
different things, right? Like between, you know, who are the people out West that they thought they were going on a spaceship um, they all ended up killing themselves. Um, you got like the stuff yeah, down in Waco. Gate, you have this, the, yeah, Heaven's Gate. The, yeah, you have the you have the stuff. Um, yeah, you have the the stuff through like through like the cult of like Nexium. You have like all these things that like I don't know. I think it's fascinating. No, I, I mean, I think it's interesting oh. to like look at human nature of how to, you know, people believing these things, yeah. right? And especially in like cults, like how easy it is to get people to follow you and believe stuff that's way out in left field. It's it's it, it's psychology. It's easy to to do for people. So you got you got to just watch yourself, you know. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like I just, I'm fascinated. With this stuff, like, yeah. and also, uh, I think it's kind of worth. I, I think it's kind of worth mentioning that, like, of all the things you actually are taught about Helen Keller, is that like when you're in school, things like that, right? It's literally just like, oh, she was deaf and blind and she did stuff, right? And like, that's kind of like the extent of what you know about her. Right, like it's not like you're ever taught a ton about her. Maybe that's just me. You're not. I mean, I don't think Helen Keller fits neatly into a lot of curriculums. Right, like I feel like it comes in elementary school usually before you're going too in depth into things to understand like the why of which I think should be a better conversation. Overcoming a disability that was you know very severe for the 1880s right to be born into and persevering to basically um pioneer you know ways to overcome and, and live her life in a rich and impactful way uh affected a lot of people in the future so yeah, that's positive yeah so i'm i'm with you uh, should we get into our uh buy sell unknown stock here yeah, you want to start? Uh, to start? I would prefer if you did. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I can do it. Um, my buy is uh, Adam Thielen. We talked about it on the second podcast a little bit. But uh, if I'm a contending team, he looks like he is the prime target for the Panthers who are going to be down a lot in a lot of games. I'd give up a third, maybe even a late second if you're a contender. I think it's a nice spot. Maybe you could even get Thielen on like a fourth. You could get a little toss back in there uh, worth starting week to week. My sell Debbie wise uh, is, is Luther burden. Uh, like he's had a good year um, and it is like super interesting. Um, we were talking in, in one of the chats that uh, for, for one of my leagues, um, Travis may who works for uh, Mojo, which is kind of the stock market for players. Um, Drop that Luther Burden's the number two receiver in all of college football on their site, like behind Marvin Harrison. And to me, that's that's a that's a, a little much. You know, I'd still take Evan Stewart over him, but it seems like the hype might be growing again if Burden has another good game or two. And I have him, and maybe I'll offer him straight up for Evan Stewart. Uh, try to trade him for like a Malik Neighbors, get an extra year 
of some more draft capital if he gets hyped up and continues that. My unknown stock is Deontay Johnson. Um, who I still I still like the talent. I still think Deontay Johnson gets open. The Steelers are a mess. Mitch Trubisky starting. I think if I was a, a contending team, I still would want him on my team. You could offer up maybe a Traylon Burks, who's hurt again. Maybe get Deontay Johnson, who's going to be coming off IR here in a week or two and should see a lot of targets um, as well. So, but I, you know, I just don't know if it's worth it. Like the Steelers may be too much of a dumpster fire that he doesn't get enough catches to make it worth it. So, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm out. I don't, I don't know what to do there. I'm actually going to start with my unknown stock here. Um, and we finally got a good game out of Quinshawn Judkins. Right? Like, we wanted to see him play well. And he did. 33 carries, 177 yards, one touchdown. Like, and he looked good, too, doing it. Right? Um, I thought he played well. Granted, I think um, just what everyone that touched the ball seemed to do well in this entire game. Um, so that's something. It didn't matter which team you were on. Uh, I th- thought everyone ran and caught the ball extremely well <laughs> for what seemed like um, a very long game of 55 to 49. It seemed like that game just went on forever, um, LSU versus Ole Miss. But I I don't know what that does for Quinchon Judkins, right? Like, we needed to see a good game. But it's not like his value. I feel like his value held. It dipped a little bit. But, like, how many good games does he have to have in a row to kind of increase his value again? Or can it increase in college? Or are we just waiting for the NFL draft? Um, I think that's kind of some of the questions that that we're having. Um, Or, you know, we might get the chance. Does Quinchon Judkins return to school? That's always something that we have to keep in mind. Um, But I'm curious, how good of a season does he have to have to go in the NFL draft? Um, that's kind of my unknown with him. Um, my buy, um, I don't think I'm going to stop buying Troy Franklin. I ju- he's just so darn good. I think, I think I'm buying a lot of these 2024 wide receivers, and and we've talked about them a lot. I talked about them last week too, but um, these 2024. 2020- excuse me, 2024 wide receivers. Um, and I think Troy Franklin is is one of the top ones. I think he's just so good and he's playing so well. Um, helps to have a quarterback that can throw the ball well. Um, but I think he, he is a buy because I think as the kind of year goes on, um, especially through some of the uh, um, metric testing, things like that, I don't think he's going to test the absolute best. Um, so I think some people are going to kind of falter with him in in the uh, underwear Olympics at the Combine. Uh, but I still think that he's an incredible talent. My sell right now, I want to talk about Dante Moore. Like, and this is just for Debbie purposes. I'm not C2C, different animal here. But I think when you have a guy that, yeah, he's at kind of a little a school that necessarily hasn't like produced quarterback talent has kind of some worse talent around him. Um, so he starts early. Yeah. He's a five-star. I totally get that. I have no problem with that. Um, but people are, are putting him above 
you know, Malachi Nelson and um, Arch Manning, and they haven't even played. Um, I I hesitate uh, for like my hesitation is UCLA is now going to go to the Big Ten, and what's that going to look like? Like, I think if UCLA struggles in the Big Ten early, um, I think that doesn't bode well for Dante Moore. Uh, because they're going to be facing just different teams um, that play a different type of football. Um, so I don't know. I'm I hesitate with him, and when I have trepidations about a freshman, especially at the quarterback position, I'm more than likely to sell, uh, especially at a value where people are already ranking him. You know, as potentially even a top twelve pick. If you did a startup right now. Some people would draft him in the top 12, I think. think. Um, that screams sell to me. So that's kind of where I'm at. You got thoughts, Shane? I, I like the Dante Moore call because I think you could get like Malachi Nelson plus a Debbie pick, and I think I would do that. Yeah. It's not like USC is going to stop scoring touchdowns. They have every weapon around them. I think Riley's still there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you got any other thoughts? Uh, before before we kind of close this one up, no, it's a good one. Hey, look, it's uh, no no Nelly. I, I like Nelly, so I, I'll look forward to having him back. Hey, he's all right. It's, it's the best compliment you've ever uh, given him. That's absolutely true. Um, but that's it for us here at the uh, Devi Marketplace. Um, thanks so much for listening. Make sure you join the Discord; it's absolutely free. Come and talk to us about football, Devi, C two C, NFL draft, all that good stuff. Um, we'll be excited to have you in there but on behalf of Shane and myself thank you so much for listening and we appreciate every single one of you